The views and opinions expressed during this show do not necessarily reflect the, the policy, policy or position of any affiliated workplace or employer. The views and opinions of the show do not constitute recommendations for therapy. Please, Please contact, contact a licensed SLP for individual consult on your situation. Please listen carefully. What is communication? An essential behavior of life. We have the both blessing and responsibility of trying to foster another. It's transmitting a thought from one person to another. It's the strongest way for two people to convey information to each other. The back and forth between two people. Communication is a lifeline. It's just connection with other people. Connecting people in terms of ideas or thoughts or needs. Draws us out of ourselves, draws us into that relationship, you know, builds up our families. Without it, we'd be lost. Whatever it is that we do to express intent and achieve an impact. Communication is the ability to express your needs, wants, frustrations, and desires to anyone that you feel needs to have that information. Welcome to Speech Science, episode number 146, the first episode of If We're Doing Seasons, season six. I'm Matt Hot, a speech and language pathologist in the schools and also in home health care with adults here in Ohio. And joining us from Central Texas, our pediatric SLP, Michelle Wintering. Hi, Matt. I'm sorry. Right when you were introducing me, I just sneezed really loud. It's okay. It's okay. And then normally our executive functioning SLP would be joining us, Michael McLeod, but he was busy uh, presenting tonight and being all famous. So he is unable to join us tonight on episode number one of season six. Michelle, big things. Michelle, I had a conversation with somebody and they were like, oh, you have a podcast? Did you pick that up during COVID? And I went, oh, no, we did a podcast before COVID. Now, <laughs> I want you to, to think about this. I want you to just to think about this for a second. During the podcast or during COVID, people decided to start podcasts, right? Yep. Season five was our COVID season. How many episodes do you think we recorded in season five? I don't know. 11. Only 11. <laughs> That's when other people were like whipping them out. <laughs> right. Everyone else is like, look at all this time. I'm doing 52 episodes. We did 11 during COVID. But in fairness, during COVID, we all decided to have babies. Uh, my little one, Evelyn, turned a year uh, back in September, so about a week and a half, two weeks ago. Mm -hmm. My then, daughter is 10 months old today. Oh, today? That's awesome. Yeah. And then Mike's is, his is about nine months at this point, correct? Um, eight or nine months. Eight? Yeah. 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 I'd have to double check on her birth date, but yeah, we've been, uh, you know, creating life. So that's important. <laughs> and then you moved across the country to Texas twice. 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 <laughs> um, you had a birthday yesterday. Happy birthday, by the way. Thanks. My... And to your son who yeah. I share a birthday with. Birthday buddies for life. I know I've um, got a few people with that birthday. It's a good day to be born. But no, it just made me laugh when everyone's like, oh, you picked this up during COVID. And I was like, actually, we went the complete opposite during COVID where we went, nah, we got so many other stressful things in life, but you know what? We are back for season six. And I think the goal was to do more than 11 episodes this year, right? Um, yes. I like that goal. We can hit 12. <laughs> <laughs> hey, um, I do have to say though, 
anybody out there, if you want to buy some SLP swag, right? Like get yes. some of our stuff. Cause my son loves his podcast shirt because it matches my sweatshirt and he keeps requesting to wear it. And it's so fun because people will ask him what it is or ask me what it is. And he'll be like, it's mommy's, it's mommy's shirt. It's mommy's podcast. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't my- know what a podcast is, but he likes it. My godfather loves his shirt, by the way, and he has never listened to the show once. And he's just like, it's just such a comfortable shirt. And I was like, you have you heard the show? He's like, no. And I was like, I appreciate you. I appreciate that you <laughs> bought the honesty. shirt. <laughs> but yes, you and can do that. <laughs> Merchandise.speechsciencepodcast.com. It's been almost eight months since we recorded an episode, six months since we recorded an episode. So oh, has said, it seriously been that long? Yeah, it has June or May, something like that. So, wow. Right. So if we sound rusty, it's because we are rusty. So hit us up on our website, speechsciencepodcast.com. You can email us speechsciencepodcast. What is the email? Speech science. I can't even find it. Speechsciencepodcast at gmail.com. There we go. Or our phone number 614-681-1798. The Discord is still going strong. Uh, we were chit chat. I was chit chatting with a few folks over the summer who were like, "When are you getting back on the air?" And I was like, "Well, eventually. We all are raising our babies, so yeah. let's catch up with a few things that are going on." And uh, during the break, I had the opportunity from Mei Ling uh, Chan to sit down and write a chapter for the new book of hers that are coming out, "The Exceptional Leaders SLPs." Or exceptional. I should probably figure out what the title of that book is. Matt, you're being featured in a book. I am. And I should probably figure out what the title of that book is so I can promote it. Um, yes, it is do. Becoming an Exceptional SLP Leader, book number three. Okay. I am not good enough for books one and two, but I am good enough for book number three. Uh, but hey, my chapter is on the first page of the table of contents. I love that. I get I get in right before they flip the page. So I'm good. You are one of the first names people will see. <laughs> one of the last ones on that page. But you're right. As they're looking through to be like, when does the book start? They'll see my name. I feel like at the bottom of the page when I'm flipping through something is mm-hmm. often what I catch, though. But the, the book at the top, the book launches on November 2nd. So we will have a link. Uh, in here, uh, in the show notes as well. I'm trying to upsell you, Matt. And you're I know like, you are. I'm trying to do my best to like talk about when the book is coming out. So then that way I can even like mention anything about it. But okay. evidently also I have the opportunity to sell signed copies through our website, by the way. That's great. Let's So would you like a signed copy, Michelle? I would like a signed copy of <laughs> But no, it's actually really cool. We got Eric Raj in the book. We got Mei Ling, of course, Kathy Hoffman, and then uh, Carrie David. Yeah. From Hope Speaks. Yeah. I still need uh, to reach out to her. I want to get her back on the podcast. Right. Rachel Madel from uh, Talking With Tech is in the book as well. Um, and my chapter falls in between John Gomez, who did the, the stuttering movie, mm-hmm. I believe. Yep. And uh, Yao Du. Uh, talking about his chapter is called when minorities unite, we become the majority. So I'm, you know, they've got the good stuff and then I'm stuck somewhere in the middle. So <laughs> but no, there was that. Uh, I took on a private practice patient. Yeah. So I'm doing that. 
What is um, this, your sixth job that you're working right now? <laughs> yeah, um, that. Trying to think what else has been happening in speech therapy world. I am no longer the ASHA SEAL. That has officially ended. Okay, so you lost one job, you gained another. Got it. Right, 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 right. I lost a volunteer position. It's and still a gained job. a paying job. It is still a job that involves time and energy and I, expertise. I gave up the Ohio position as well. Okay. So that should count for something. You are, are learning to say no to things. Look right. Uh, and next month starts bowling coaching again. So nah, you love that. That's good. I know. I do love that. Mm -hmm. So that's been a real crazy whirlwind from the family side. The little girl, Evelyn, we are still pursuing uh, if she can get cochlear implants, because I know we were doing that before we went on break. And now we have to get a uh, MRI done to see if she's got the structure available. Um, just curious because I know it's different for different kids, but if you don't mind me asking, do they have a target age that they would ideally do that? Um, so we have a prescription that expires in about three months to get that done. Um, but the original date was somewhere between six and 10 months of age. Mm -hmm. And as we continue to work with her, her left ear is not getting stronger. We're just getting a better image or mm -hmm. a better picture of what her left ear can do. So it's made that time, uh, that timetable for the right ear. Uh, it's given us some time to let her get a little bit older and a little bit bigger for surgery. Okay. I mean, it's surgery, it's brain surgery. It's a hole in the skull. It's a peeling of the skin. Like, yeah, it's a big it's deal. Terrifying to think about your little girl doing all that. But, uh, and then a shout out to Leslie, uh, her SLP who we went to school with, by the way, um, I, again, I realize why I don't work with little kids because I have no idea what she does. And my girl is carrying around a baby doll at home. So she's working on something. Mm -hmm. uh, so. so shout out to Leslie, a Cincinnati yep. SLP. We <laughs> totally need to give a shout out to um, another Cincinnati SLP. I know that we'll probably touch on her email to Mike a little further when he's on oh, the show yeah. because it was on, um, executive functionings, but I just want to give a quick shout out to Jen Heitkemper, an SLP in Ohio for writing in. And um, don't worry, we are going to touch more on some of your commentary about executive functioning, um, but we want to do it when our e C EF um, expert, I can't even <laughs> look at me. <laughs> our EF expert is on the air with us. So Jen, I hope you're listening and be sure to tune back in because we'll, uh, we'll touch more on some of that when he's back. It's only been six months since we recorded an episode, Michelle. You're allowed one mistake here and there. <laughs> yep. Um, I clear my throat on air. <laughs> so I think that's kind of been the quick update to the Matt Hot speech world. What's going on in the Michelle Wintering lifespan since May? Oh, my goodness. Well, you were talking about just the lifespan of our podcast. And right. it made me realize, I know each of us have added to our family, a family member this past year, but... Um, just since joining you on the podcast, I started in a, a West Texas, um, had a, my son moved to Kentucky, uh, still recording the podcast with you all, um, moved from Kentucky to Kansas, had my daughter, moved from <laughs> Kansas to Central Texas now. And uh, so we, we moved this summer. We are in our home in Central Texas and 
uh, I'm not made for Texas heat, Matt. I was going to say, are you, is your Ohio skin melting off your body? <laughs> exactly. Yet? Um, Ohio and then Colorado for a long time. So, <laughs> uh, this heat, man. Um, but nonetheless, uh, it's been neat to explore a new place and, um, get out and about if there's anybody in central Texas listening, I would love to connect with you. Um, I'm kind of learning the ropes with the SLP world here a little bit and trying to set myself up to see some private patients, hopefully starting soon. That's uh, awesome. Just a transition, as you all know, licenses and, uh, and then the private practice side is just some legwork I need to do to make sure everything's in line for that. And um, yeah, enjoying it here. My, my son started preschool. Uh, well, it's interesting here. They call it. <laughs> I don't know a little bit. They call it a, there's no official, pre, there's only a few official preschools. So we enrolled them in a local one. Oh, okay. You're uh, a local church that has a, a early childhood program, but they call it an MDO. What does that stand for? a term I didn't know until here. It's called a mom's day out program. <laughs> and I was like, oh, look at that. <laughs> like we're still calling it a mom's day out program, yeah. but that's okay. That <laughs> tracks. Yeah, he's uh, uh, some of them I think are starting to move to a parents' day out name, which I think is more, <laughs> more a little more appropriate, a little bit more inclusive. Um, but nonetheless, he loves it, and he is making friends and and figuring out what a miniature version of school looks like two days a week. So uh, it's neat to see him come home talking about what they're learning and um, and with drawings and crafts and. Oh, how old is he crafts. now? He's three. He turned three on the 4th of July. Oh, oh that, yeah. That is such a fun age, man. Three. It's fun and terrible and wonderful. All tied up in the, in a 30 second period every day. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, I feel like it between like two and four is where the kid really starts to get their like their personality. Personality. Yeah. yeah. It's fun to see. And he, he is such a sweet kid. And I, I learn from him every day. <laughs> And uh, I, uh, uh, I just find myself repeating, it's okay to be three, <laughs> like because that's all you can do sometimes. It's okay man. to be three, and I tell myself that too. It's okay to be thirty-five. In my case, <laughs> it's fine. Um, my five. This is what you got to look forward to at the age of five. Uh, my now five-year-old, every time he sees an Arby sign, yells, "We've got the meats!" Every time. <laughs> Just, oh, we'll be man. driving and he's like we got the meats and i was like oh you see an arby's where's that at and uh the other day we were watching the lego movie and the scene where batman throws about a dozen batarangs and the one finally hits and he's like first time my my five-year-old andrew goes when i get my driver's license i'm gonna scream first time and i was like oh no <laughs> <laughs> no i saw a tiktok that made me remind that reminded me of you michelle uh oh! And it was a guy from England uh, reacting to things in America, and he was real confused that there is a state where you can drive for four hours in any direction and not leave the state. And he was talking about Texas. Oh, that's funny. You know what's even more funny is that I was just spending time with new friends of ours here who are British, <laughs> and um, <laughs> and uh, they're they're here with um working with the U S army for a few oh, years, but, very cool. um, you know, our allies. So, uh, right. yeah, but anyways, she and I were talking about, um, interesting 
mix-ups or, or weird things about the states versus the uk so it's it's ironic that did, it's good timing that did, did you know <laughs> they don't have screens in england what do you mean screens like on your windows oh okay they you know you know how like here in ohio we have yeah yeah screens they don't have screens mm -hmm. in england there's parts of the u.s that don't either what it depends on I, I think the climate a lot more we tend to have them most places but how do yeah. you keep your bugs out? Depends what kind of bugs you have or if you need to keep bugs well, out. I Some mean, places don't have as many bugs. I mean, any bug I don't want in my house. <laughs> like <laughs> I pay a guy 50 to 75 bucks every three months to come in and make sure my house is bug free. <laughs> bug free. I need to do that here, actually. Right? Um, Texas really is the not... Australia of, of America. No, not, it's not that bad. Um, there really aren't storm doors or screen doors here i don't ah. know you call, people call them different things in yeah, different yeah, places, yeah, yeah. but um at least the vast majority of houses i've been in here in central texas do not have what i call a screen or a storm door right um which i always liked because you could open up when it's good weather and have a breeze but not just have your front door wide open oh uh. Yeah, I'm glad we have a screen door. I had a bias. I bought a purposely bought a house with a screen door just because I like the light from the front door. I mean, you can usually add one. I know, but to. there's like things yet. <laughs> oh, Michelle, it is so good to be back on air. We are going to take a short break when we come back. I figured we could wade ankle deep into the muck that has been happening in the speech therapy world over the summer. Mainly, what's have you been following anything on social media? I don't know. <laughs> oh, man, I got to fill you in on this. Uh, we'll do that. You, right now, you're listening to Speech Science. And now for our regular research review, brought to you by the Informed SLP. The Informed SLP releases a monthly newsletter that brings you plain language reviews of only the newest, most clinically applicable research, keeping you up to date on advances in the field and saving you tons of time. So let's get to it. What's up with cups? In this review, we take a look at the science on choosing the right cup for a typically developing child. Drinking is top of the agenda for most children from the minute they're born. From around six months, many kids request or demand sips from their parents' cup or water bottle and soon after may start to enjoy a warm drink from a mug or a smoothie through a straw, just like mom, dad, or caregiver of choice. But while adults often alternate between open cups, drink bottles, takeaway coffee cups, and straws for margarita night, the commercial cup options for children are more complicated and plentiful. Bottles, softer, hard spouted sippy cups, sports style pop top bottles, 360 cups, straw cups, open and semi-open cups, and the newest option that's been invented since the beginning of this sentence. There are also multiple sources of variation within categories, material, size, shape, aesthetics, handles, insulation, spout position, outlet holes, valves, venting, straw weights, ease of disassembly. Some of these features may make a difference in ways that are of interest to us as dysphagia therapists, 
like speed, consistency, cohesion, and direction of flow. Some features make a difference in ways that are of interest to behavioral feeding therapists, like how there's a picture of Elsa on it, and that's the only way to get your Elsa-obsessed client interested in drinking. Some features make a difference to our OT colleagues, like weight and handles. And some features increase convenience for parents and caregivers, like non-spill valves and insulation. Some probably make very little difference at all. And that's the free market for you. Parents are a billion or multi-billion dollar industry, and companies innovate to stand out from the crowd and attract customers. But this glut of options creates a conundrum for parents, even the parents of typically developing kids. What's the best cup? What cup will give my child the best outcomes? And because we know dysphagia, parents come to us with their cup queries. So what do we tell parents of typically developing kids when they want to know the best cup for their child from an SLP perspective? To the evidence. For effect, I'd like you to imagine crickets chirping or the wind whistling across a sweeping plane, or maybe uh, a tumbleweed tumbling across a deserted town. To our knowledge, there is not one single paper that demonstrates any impact of the type of cup on eating, drinking, swallowing, or speech outcomes. You'll find a few papers associating different types of cups with dental decay and higher energy intake if the cup contains sugary drinks, and particularly if the child has overnight access, and facial injuries because toddlers fall on their faces a lot and if you have something in your mouth and fall on your face, physics takes over and that's bad news for your face. If you're thinking that it sounds like those outcomes are about the way a cup is used rather than what cup is used, then our subtle messaging got across. When dentists and dental organizations recommend against sippy cups, the linked papers we have are the ones they refer to. And the most common recommendation in the dental literature is avoid sippy cups containing sugary beverages and avoid allowing a child to have a sippy cup in their mouth constantly, not avoid sippy cups ever. Of course, these concerns are out of scope for SLPs. It's good to know the state of the evidence, but if families are concerned about what cup is best from a dental perspective, our best bet is to refer them to a pediatric dentist. So then, what about SLP expert opinion? That's gotta give us something. There are definitely many experts concerned about the use of certain types of cups. They raise questions worthy of consideration. But because expert opinion is more prone to bias than other forms of evidence, we must consider it carefully and ask questions about its underlying assumptions. Here are some expert opinions we've read or heard. Expert opinion. Some cups, especially valved, spouty sippy cups, may encourage an immature, back and forth suckling pattern, which may affect a child's orofacial development and acquisition of mature eating, drinking, and speech skills. The immature suckling pattern discussed here is the pattern used by milk-fed infants, although there is notable variation. It's interesting to consider that babies are still milk-fed from a breast or bottle until at least 12 months, and sometimes well after. The World Health Organization recommends breastfeeding until two years. 
yet this is not thought to inhibit the development of mature drinking. Typically developing children can learn and use multiple motor patterns simultaneously. Just as adults can drink from an open cup at home, a pop-top water bottle on the treadmill, and a spouted takeaway coffee cup between home health clients, and manage to swallow a variety of textures with different sensory properties. As long as typically developing children have a variety of learning experiences with different bolus types and deliveries, they will likely be able to develop a similarly flexible range of oral motor patterns. After all, if sippy cups had substantial adverse impacts on feeding, wouldn't we have seen an epidemic of oral motor feeding challenges in otherwise typically developing children coinciding with the commercialization of the sippy cup in the 80s? There's no evidence of this kind of shift in child development. A source of bias worth considering here is that as SLPs, we don't assess many typically developing children. Children with developmental vulnerabilities are more likely to demonstrate maladaptive oral motor skills, but it doesn't seem reasonable to generalize this assumption to an entire population or to attribute it to the type of cup a child uses. What's more, SLPs are used to perceiving a tongue thrust swallow as disordered and linked to sucking habits. The prevalence of tongue thrust swallow in children is around 40% at minimum, in studies substantially predating the commercialization of valved sippy cups. Yet the prevalence of feeding problems seems to be much lower. Does a tongue thrust automatically cause functional eating and drinking issues? It doesn't seem to be so clear cut. And while we're here, it's worth noting that we actually have no idea how much sucking, duration, frequency, or intensity it might take to change orofacial development. It's not the sort of question that lends itself to a robust experimental design. But it's reasonable to assume that a child who sucks strongly on a pacifier, bottle, or sippy cup continually throughout the day might have different outcomes to a child who drinks from a sippy cup for a few seconds, a few times, at sit-down meals and snacks. And as for speech, well, we know it's highly unlikely that changing feeding patterns changes speech outcomes because oral motor development in typically developing children is task-specific. Expert opinion. Straw cups are preferable to sippy cups because the effort required to suck through a straw builds strength in the oral musculature. We need to consider why oral strength matters. If straw cups do build oral strength, does this make any functional difference to a typically developing child? Does it make them more able to eat, drink, or speak? Unlikely. Otherwise, children who don't have access to straws would struggle more with developing these functional skills. And there's no evidence of this. Expert opinion. Cups designed specifically for children are not a natural or necessary part of development. This is an interesting one because none of the trappings of modernity are really a natural part of development. And who decides what's necessary? Necessary for what? We do know that sippy cups have been around for a long time. Bronze Age children drank from sippy cups, so we can assume that adults have seen the need for sippies for a long time. Possibly what is meant here is that sippy cups aren't necessary to acquire the skill of drinking from an open cup, which in most places in the world 
at this time in history is how most adults drink most of the time. This is probably true, but is skill acquisition the only reason we give children sippy cups? Could some use of sippy cups support other skills, like independence and fitting in with community and family mealtime norms? Oral motor skill development is important, but families have other priorities. And in the context of typical development in particular, these priorities might matter more. The main question I have is, why does this feel so important when we really don't have strong evidence that it makes a substantial difference? Well, it probably feels important because the people who sell cups sell more cups if parents think that the cup they give their baby makes a big difference. That's what's given this issue the most currency with parents. We know parents are incredibly vulnerable to canny, guilt, and fear-based advertising. And SLPs are very vulnerable to the desire to help worried, guilty parents, and are also often parents themselves and not immune to marketing. For SLPs, it also feels important because for children with disabilities, developmental delays and disorders or orofacial differences, the right cup, not the one cup to rule them all, but the cup expertly and carefully selected to meet that child and family's unique needs, can actually make a big difference to swallow safety, drinking efficiency and effectiveness, and independence. For some kids, that's an open cup. For others, it's a sippy or a straw cup. It's definitely not the same cup or the same type of cup for every kid. And none of this means that a typically developing child will necessarily gain a great deal from a new type of cup. Typical development is pretty robust and, well, it's just a cup. Does it make sense to encourage a child to practice the skill you want them to acquire? Yes. Giving children a chance to practice with more adult-like cups, whether those are open cups or other types of cups that adults use in the child's community, will help them to acquire the specific skills required to drink from that type of cup. Will a child fail to acquire the skill of drinking from an adult-like cup if they use a valved sippy cup sometimes? Unlikely. And do parents' priorities, like having a cup that won't flood the inside of their bag with water or soak the fifth outfit today, also weigh in this decision? Yes. Rather than issuing blanket recommendations to the parents of typically developing children, maybe we could focus on giving recommendations around the pattern of use. For example, avoid putting sugary drinks in sippy cups, try to ensure children drink for a few seconds and then put their cup down and leave it, and give children the opportunity to drink from a variety of cups at different times. This ameliorates the possible risks of sippy cup use while preserving its benefits. Let's take a breath and recap. What do you say when someone tags you in the cup wars on the daycare social media group? Here are some talking points. One, there's no scientific evidence that the cup your child uses will make any difference to feeding, swallowing, or speech. Two, it's important to think about what, when, or how your child is drinking, mostly water for discrete periods of time while sitting or standing still. Three, if you need a spill-proof cup to avoid losing your marble, yes, singular marble, it's 2021, 
go for it. You can always practice open cup drinking in the bath. All children drink bath water. Might as well make it a learning opportunity. And four, if your child has developmental issues, these recommendations may change on the advice of your clinical team who can find the cup that's right for your child. Looks like last call, drinks are on us, sometimes literally. Thanks for listening to this review. If you're interested in more, come visit us at www.theinformedslp.com. Tell us how you put the research into practice or find us on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter at The Informed SLP. Speech Science episode number 146, I think. I'm Matt Hot, we'll joined by Michelle Wintering. Hi, Matt. Oh, Michelle. So it's fun to get back together, but we should at least have something of substance for the people. So I figured this would be a fun time to wade you in through the muck that is social media SLP world. Have you have you followed any of it? No, I've avoided a lot of social so, media all summer with our move. So I don't want to steal uh, Dr. Meredith Harold's thunder here, but evidently I didn't even realize this. There are fake SLP accounts what? friending SLPs. What, it, what do you mean by a fake SLP account? So like their company owned accounts that create these fake accounts that they say they're an SLP and their job is to go and friend other SLPs. So then their posts show up and they're usually the ones that are like promoting certain uh, companies or certain um, recruiting agencies or uh, saying to buy this app. Interesting. I guess I really shouldn't be shocked by this. Right. Right. But are they, um, posing as licensed therapists yes with stock photos from google wow that like people smarter than i am have been able to like reverse image search for these folks yeah and then figure out that these are fake accounts interesting so here is a few things that i picked up and i figured i would ask you do you know how to spot a fake slp account um, I know because I've never thought about this. <laughs> right. Me neither until this whole thing. And I'm trying to find the link to the post and this happened. It's been a big thing that's been blown up in a couple of the groups, but here's the, here's the big thing. How many friends did this person have? And are they all SLPs or do they have uh, other okay. friends? Mm-hmm. So all SLPs is significant. Got it. Um, what kind of postings do they do? Do they only do SLP posts? Or do they do other posts like about their family or I need you to send vacations? me one of these so I can look at what a fake one looks like. Yeah. So again, I'm trying to find it. Um, but like in the Facebook group, Dr. Meredith Harold like called one of them out and then they changed their Facebook page and left the group. Mm, go Dr. <laughs> Meredith Harold. I was like, holy smokes. But yeah, I didn't know 
that was like a thing, but evidently it's a huge thing because it's talking about, well, what spurred, what started it. And again, I don't want to steal uh, her thunder, but it was talking about like how we need to be more transparent about working relationships in our field. Like between those of us that they would consider promoters or personalities or whatever you want to say mm-hmm. and like what we um, promote. So like, for example, we work with Dr. Meredith Poor Harold's uh, The Informed SLP. She gives us content, which is what played during the break. And then we support her and she supports us. Like, but even if we didn't, I still would support her Informed SLP because I'm too damn lazy to read research. I don't know about you, Michelle, but. That's why I love The Informed SLP. Right, 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 right. So um, the idea was to kind of call out people that are not like prom- like not being forward with what they're promoting. Mm-hmm. Yep. And then it spurred into this like generic or who's like a fake SLP. And it was nuts. So it's got over 400 posts on um, the page. I've managed to avoid this somehow. Wow. Yep. That's so interesting. I guess, I mean, it is a marketing tool. They're, these uh-huh. companies are using it as a marketing tool in the same way. Um, you know, there's like secret shoppers out there who are gathering data and information, whether it's in person or through social media um, for any different field. But it's that that's kind of a whole new level to be creating a fake persona with fake licensure <laughs> status uh-huh. and everything. Yeah. Well, and is they're not even like creating their own, they're not even doing a fake licensure. They're just saying that they're SLPs, but then you can't find who they are. Mm. Here's a red flag on it. If you would say, uh, you said spotting a fake account. I said, look their name up on the registry. Right, right. I mean, look Um, their name up on ASHA. (laughs) So, yeah. So, okay. So here I found the post. This is what Dr. Meredith Harold. Uh, says that are some of her for things and I would love to have her on to talk more about it mm-hmm. but it says hit number one click on their profile if they don't sound like an SLP <laughs> 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 but then like again look at who is their friends and um, all the other posts that they're doing so I did not know there was fake SLPs and then of course you know I'm guessing you did not see the arguments over posts being deleted in other Facebook groups. Nope. (laughs) I told you I I have avoided much of social media. So, and again, I don't, I'm not stealing harm. I'm not, I'm just trolling Facebook for content for the show. So that's kind of what this is, but then it spurred into the conversation that I guess in some of the Facebook groups that people will ask for recommendations. And then the administrators are deleting the links that go against the stuff that they're making money on. Oh man. <laughs> right. I, mean, I guess that's what we do have to remember every Facebook group for the most part, every Facebook group, that's the, a large scale Facebook group that you're in is run by someone who is connected to some business, like has mm-hmm. some pointed interest in this group. There's, there's few groups that are that large scale that are just informational. Run for the betterment of society. Yeah. Now, if you post something in our 
Facebook group, I probably won't delete it unless it like links to something that is not SLP related. Let's yeah, but I mean, I, like, I had to delete one before that was like a bot posting porn. Oh geez. Yeah, I was like, oh yeah, you're gone. But like, if you want to post something to your own little like TPT world, as long as you've got some version of evidence behind it, I'm not going to care. Your evidence could literally be anecdotal that you did this in your classroom and people liked it. But yeah, so that's the other thing that's been happening is I guess in these these bigger Facebook groups is the admin are going through and deleting other people's posts. Um, the, the TPTers are upset because they'll post something like, hey, I made this for free and the admins are deleting it because they're not getting a cut of the money. Because it's free. Right. <laughs> I guess. Man, how have you missed this? This is what I've been doing while I missed you guys on the show is I've been deep diving into the social media world of the SLP. Oh, that, I, I keep you around to keep me up to date on these <laughs> things. <laughs> oh, man. So, uh, yeah, I guess the, the moral of the story is that if you're on social media, SLP world, check out who you're interacting with because they might be fake. And I found out that I think I might be friends with like four fake SLPs. Like, no joke. Well, okay, so they'll, like, friend me, and then I'll, like, see, and it says, oh, you've got 36 people that you have in common. Wow, okay. So, and then I'll click yes, and then I'll click on their name, and I'll find out that, like, those 36 people are all people that I've barely met in real life just through this podcast. Okay. And they're all, like, head of some version of social media speech therapy world. That is so right, right. I'm just intrigued by this whole concept. <laughs> so, Michelle, changing gears for next week, I have homework for you and everyone at home. Bring it on. Okay. So, I figured next week it would be a great time to talk about. Did you read The Ashley Eater this week? Nope. <laughs> or last month, I should say. Um, I'm not sure if it got forwarded to me yet. So, so I there was a there was it. a great article and it's called can you counter your own brain-based biases okay and i'm actually stealing this idea from my special ed supervisor stacy spencer who i was doing a training with and she was like this would be a great topic for a podcast hint hint nudge nudge and then <laughs> we did the lesson and i went huh this would be a great topic for a podcast but okay. i'm go- i'm going to put in the show notes it is a link to a website where you can find out your own biasness. Biases? Biases. Biases, yeah. Biases, biases. Biases, yeah, maybe that's it. (laughs) But the website ranges anywhere from race to body style to gender to sexuality to anything and everything you can test your bias on. Oh, this is good. Yeah, send it my way. Yeah. And, And I figured next week might be a great topic that we can kind of talk about like our own if you feel comfortable with it being open about what we rate as bias or whatever we can can dive that into next week yeah i'd like to take that yeah well i mean i think these kind of things are are such a good conversation starter to just reflect on ourselves and Mm -hmm. so i'll put that link down below um but i figured that would be kind of it's called the implicit bias training module okay 
So I will have the link for that. And then we can discuss that next week on air. So before we get to the end of the show, what are your plans, non-therapy related for the next week? See, we're getting back into the swing of things. What are you doing next week? You said non-therapy. Really. Non-therapy. Yeah. Or if you got a really cool therapy project, you can do that too. Well, I mean, I told you I'm working on the private practice front, so right. that's pretty cool. Right. Um, but other than that, we are actually headed, I'm only a couple hours away from San Antonio. So um, I am super excited to head to San Antonio this coming weekend for Ooh. the wedding of uh, our close friends from when we lived in West Texas. Their daughter is getting married and they happen to live a couple hours from us now. Aww. So we're able to go and... Um, they postponed it and postponed it again due to COVID. And uh, so I'm excited to be able to go. That's awesome. Um, I am looking up a quick fact. Huh. Do you know how many Ohio's fit in Texas? <laughs> no, go ahead. Tell me. Six. Six. That's Yeah, that's about right. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> well, when you were like, they live a couple hours away. And I was like, if I lived in Columbus, a couple hours would put me out of the state no matter which direction I drove. <laughs> yeah, um, it's so, I mean, coming, I grew up in Ohio that, you know, driving, right? here's what I think about, because the further west you move, the more used to traveling further you get. Mm -hmm. So when I go back to Ohio, it's just funny because I, the idea of driving from Ohio, Columbus, Ohio to Chicago when I was younger, we used to hop on a flight. You could get a cheap flight and it's an hour flight, but in all reality, it's only like a six hour drive. <laughs> <laughs> um, and that feels like nothing having lived further west now yeah when i lived in new york and had to make the drive from upstate to columbus and it's like a nine hour drive at first i was like this sucks and then after a while i was like huh, this is normal so when it was like a, you're right when it was like a two to four hour drive you're like eh, whatever <laughs> yeah, i don't know agreed um Non-therapy related, I am buying some football helmets to decorate my therapy room with. I'm buying an Ohio University football helmet and a Muskingum University football helmet so I can have them on my shelves Yeah, because they're perfect conversation starters. And in therapy news, I am building a volcano and exploding it with my students on Friday. <gasps> I forgot That's to awesome. Michelle, oh. it's October and I forgot to tell you, I'm doing Edgar Allan Poe stories this month. Oh, with your high schoolers? Uh, middle schoolers, yeah. Middle schoolers, okay. And we read the Telltale Heart, and my students were disgusted and their minds were blown up when I ex had to explain to them that the dude literally thought he could hear the heart beating under the floorboards, and he dismembered a dude. And then we read the Cask of Amontillado, Monte, the you know the one where he gets yeah. walled up into the wall. And my group today, like, put the pieces together and they're like, wait, you don't die when you're stuck in a wall. That guy's going to be alive for like weeks. And I was like, yep. <laughs> Speaking of um, Edgar Allan Poe, random facts, because I know you love random facts. I do. Did you know that he went to West Point? What? The military academy, right? Well, I, yes, I know what West Point is. Edgar Allan right. Poe went to West Point? But he did not graduate from West Point, but he uh, went to West Point. That makes more he, sense. Yeah, he he left. He was dismissed from West Point. I forget the whole story, but you could Google it. Huh. He yeah. was a sergeant major for the artillery. As a student, a student sergeant. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Huh. Yeah. And it says, then he abruptly, and then the Google page went away. 
Uh-oh. <laughs> I don't know. That's interesting. Huh. So, random fact for you. Your husband didn't go to West Point, did he? He did. He did? Mm-hmm. Oh, I knew I loved him for a reason. I guess so. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, I am an army guy. My wife is a Navy fan. So, you know. Yeah. We support, I support your husband during that football game, just so you know. Half the world has no idea what we're talking about, but that's okay. Our opening music is please, our opening music is please listen carefully by Jazard's license under an attribution and share alike license. The boat music is County Fair Rock, copyrighted John Deku. The informed SLP was at the count by broke for free under a Creative Commons attributions license. And the closing music is the slow burn by Kevin McLeod licensed under a Creative Commons attribution license. Michelle, you mentioned college football. You know who the number two team in the country is right now? Ohio State. Cincinnati. <laughs> oh, I know that. It's Cincinnati. Woo-hoo. They're having a great season. Buckeyes are number five. We're going to be yeah. an OSU-UC playoff game. I'm calling it right now. I could see that. Oh. All right, Michelle. For Michelle Wintering and the absent Michael McLeod, I'm Matt Hot. Until next week, so long, everybody. Bye. Science is edited and produced by MWH Production. Please follow Speech Science on Twitter at Speech Science PC and like our page on Facebook. And rate and subscribe to our podcast anywhere you get your podcasts.